Excellent. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Welcome to our Boxing Day service. It's great to have you all here this morning. Let me ask you, has everyone recovered from all of the food from yesterday yet? Anyone feeling a little bit rotund today? A little bit on the plump sides? Or is that just me? Just me, okay. This time of year is weird, isn't it? Because we have no idea what day of the week it is. And we wake up between Christmas and New Year and we'll have celebrations for breakfast and roses for lunch and quality street for tea and we'll wash it all down with some leftover turkey, the mountain of that which never seems to get smaller. It's a strange old time, isn't it? So I want to take 20 minutes this morning just to make you forget about food for a second and concentrate on the Bible. Can we all do that? Can we all stop thinking about food for a few minutes? Brilliant. Look, at Jubilee, if you're visiting here this morning, at Jubilee, over the last few months, we've been going through the book of Matthew. I've been going through Matthew's account of Jesus' life. And just in the last few weeks, we went back to the beginning of the book of Matthew to look at the Christmas story. So we had Shirley, who kicked off our Christmas story, and then Simon spoke to us last week. And today I get to finish Matthew's account of the Christmas story with what might be the least Christmassy passage ever. So I'm really sorry about this. This is more like Coronation Street or EastEnders Christmas Day special than It's a Wonderful Life, all right? It's not very Christmassy. I apologize for that. But let's read together Matthew's account. We're going from Matthew 2, 13 to 23, and a word should appear behind me in a second. So when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under. Sorry about that, I thought it wasn't very Christmassy. Um, in order, um, in accordance with the time that he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah. Weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. And after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judah in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to a district of Galilee and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. And so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. So there we have it. Not very Christmassy, eh? Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> no, listen, like a lot of parts of the Bible, in the most difficult parts of the Bible, in the bits that we find hardest to understand, those are the bits that where we quite often learn most about God's character, about who God is, about God's promises. And this passage is no different. This morning, I want to celebrate Christmas um, by looking at three things we can learn from what we've just read. And they all begin with a letter P this morning, to make it easy for you, okay? We've got the three P's of Christmas for you this morning. Today, we're going to learn about God's protection, God's purpose, and God's provision. All right, that's the plan this morning. God's um, protection, God's purpose, and God's provision. 
So first of all, we see God's protection straight away in verse 13, the very first verse that we read. We see God speaking to Joseph in a dream and warning him to take the baby Jesus and his wife and escape to Egypt. God knew what was going to happen. God knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew that Herod was going to be mad, and he knew that Herod was about to try and harm some people and kill some babies, and he wanted to warn Joseph and Mary um, in order to protect them. God's instinct was to protect them, and this idea of God being a protector is something that we see throughout the Bible. It's certainly something that we see recurring again and again and again. We see it in the Old Testament, um, in the life and in the writings of King David. We see it, um, he constantly refers to God as a protector. We see that in places like 2 Samuel 22 or in the Psalms all over the place, Psalm 31, 71, 91 and others. We see him referring to God as a protector. We also see it in the book of Isaiah as well, when Isaiah's talking about God and prophesying, we see him talk about God wanting to protect people as well in his prophecies. And we see it throughout the New Testament as well. We see Jesus actually as well, Jesus almost weeping when he's talking about the Jewish people, saying that he longs to protect them, he longs to get them under his wing like a mother hen and protect them. This idea of God wanting to protect people is something that we see throughout the Bible. It's so central to who God is, and it's so central to how he relates to us. God is a protector. God likes to protect us. And that's exactly what we're seeing in this passage. God is stepping in, and he's saying, trust me, I'll keep you safe. I'll protect you. Listen to me, flee to Egypt, and you will be safe. It's who God is. God wants to protect us. Let me tell you a quick story because I think this explains a little bit of this. This is kind of when I experienced this idea of God being a protector. And it's a really daft example, um, but it kind of really explains this well. Um, Do you remember when you were a kid in the days before smartphones when you used to actually play out? Anyone remember that? It's a distant memory. Well, we used to go out and play in the sunshine. You, you might not remember this, but there used to be uh, this thing called playing out. And you'd go out and play. And um, I would do it all the time. I'd go out and play with my friends. And um, one of the games that we like to play, and for our international friends, you might not be familiar with this, but it's a good old British classic called Kirby. Anyone heard of Kirby? So Kirby is basically where two people stand on opposite sides of a curb and they um, throw a ball at each other and the idea is to hit the curb and if you do, you get a point. It's pretty naff actually, isn't it, when you talk about it. But anyway, when you're 11 years old, Kirby's like the best thing ever. So me and my friend are playing Kirby, okay? And I remember playing with my friends and um, my friend went to throw the ball and it bounced up off the curb and went straight into the window of the terraced house behind us. And out came Ray, all right? And Ray was kind of six foot five, kind of receding hairline a little bit, slightly drunk, big, massive guy. And he came out, and at this point, normally as a kid, as you all know, you leg it as fast as you can, don't you? And you run to your mate's house and hide. The problem that we had was that Ray lived next door to my friend. So Ray grabbed hold of my friend, and he was absolutely raging. He was swearing, and he was shouting, and he grabbed my friend kind of by his scruff, and he said, I think his exact words were something like, oh dear, you silly little boy, what a predicament <laughs> we've got here. 
look at my window. Words to that effect, anyway. Um, I've never been as scared in my life as I saw my friend picked up like a rag doll and kind of being swung around by Ray. And then, and then out of nowhere, my friend's mum, and she was a single mum, we didn't have a dad, my friend's mum came out as calm as you like, and she said, now, now, Ray, let's be sensible here, put him down. And Ray kind of came to his senses and put my friend down, and me and my friend scurried away like little mice and hid in my friend's house. And she managed to calm Ray down, and we all got on with our day. But there was something about that interaction which stuck with me after all of these years. Because there was that sense of protection that comes from a parent. We were safe from harm because my friend's mum was there. What was quite a difficult situation was suddenly taken away as soon as my friend's mum turned up. Because as soon as she got there, she had a plan. She could deal with the situation. It was no longer us fighting this guy on our own. My friend's mum was there and nothing bad was going to happen. That was the most amazing demonstration of what God is like. And it sticks with me even after all of these years. That's exactly what God is like. God protects us in the same way. In our hopelessness, in the situations where really we don't know what to do, God protects us in the same way. And we can have that same sense of calm that me and my friend had when we scampered off and hid in the house. We can have that same sense of calm, but a million times better because we're not being protected by my mate's mum. We're being protected by the king of kings and the creator of all things. God is a protector and he longs to protect us. And let me encourage you this Christmas, this baby who came, this baby we've been singing about and talking about, Emmanuel, God with us, that is the same God who wants to protect us. And he's come to be with us. He wants to keep you safe from from harm. It's in his nature, it's who he is. And that's something that never changes. In spite of how you feel, in spite of your circumstances, that never changes. We serve a God who protects. What an encouragement, eh? The second major thing we see in our passage, so we've got God's protection. The second thing we see is God's purpose. And what I love about this story is, um, I'm not sure whether you've noticed this, but three times in that short passage that we read, verse 15, verse 17, verse 23, it mentions, and so fulfilled. Did you notice that? It says three times, and so fulfilled. Everything that was happening in that story was part of God's plan. And that was a plan that was in place long before this situation. Everything that was happening in this story was all part of God's plan. And you see, that's the thing about God's plans and God's purposes. When God plans something, it happens. And nothing can stop that. We see that in the story. When God plans something, it happens. No plans of King Herod is going to stop that. No plans of people, no schemes of man. When God plans something, it happens. We see that written so encouragingly in Psalm 33:11. It says, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. When God plans something, it happens. God's plans are above all things, including our circumstances and our understanding. Who needs to hear that this morning? God's plans, yeah, they come true. When God plans something, it's going to happen. Let that be some encouragement for you this morning. Remember as well, as we said a few um, weeks ago when we started this book, 
the audience that this was being written to, that, that Matthew was writing to, this was a Jewish audience as well. So when it mentions and so fulfilled, it would have been ringing bells to the readers. They would have understand, understood better than us what it was fulfilling. They would have understood the Old Testament. They would have been aware of God's promises. And that's why Matthew was making this so clear. God's hand was very clearly on this story. His plans were coming true, despite the best efforts of everyone else in the story. And there's something remarkable in this for us at this time, because we can have real confidence and real assurance in the fact that God's purposes always come to pass, even if it doesn't look like it on the surface. Even if right now it doesn't look like God's working in any situation, even if right now it doesn't seem like God's plan is going to come true, we can get comfort from this story. Especially at Christmas as well. Like we can re- reflect on the Christmas story and the fact that the Savior came not as a, a warrior, not leading an army, not with some great extravagant entrance, but he came as a baby in an animal's feeding trough. I mean, on the face of it, God works out his purposes in the most bizarre way, doesn't he? Like we look at this and we're like, how can this be the savior of humanity? It's a baby lying in some straw. But the key thing is that it's God working out his purposes in his way. It's his way. And we need to, we need to understand that in our own lives. That's a lesson for us to seek God and understand his will. Understand his way for doing things in our lives. Listen, I don't know if you know this, but God's got a purpose for your life. He's got a plan for your life, even if you don't see it, and even if you don't understand it. There's so many things we don't understand. The Bible says that the secret things belong to the Lord. There's going to be things that we just don't know. There'll be things that you simply don't understand. There'll be situations in your life when you look at it and you're like, what on earth is this? God is working behind the scenes. Trust him. You just need to trust him. Because quite often we look back on a situation afterwards and we see God's hand all over it at that time. You know, when we look back afterwards, we can just see God's hand on it. But in that situation, in that moment, it can feel like we're on our own. And God understands that. But he asks us to trust him. God asks us to trust him. So we see God's protection. We see God's purpose, and a final Christmas P this morning is God's provision. God's protection, God's purpose, and God's provision. You see, Christmas is a time when we get to be thankful, don't we? I had some very thankful children yesterday when they woke up and opened loads of presents, and I myself was a very thankful child yesterday when I got the greatest present anyone would ever want. Okay, check this out. I got myself a sealed packet of unopened Panini football stickers from 15 years ago. You lot don't look impressed. (laughs) I was like, wow, Haley listens when I speak. She got me football stickers. Woo! So I'm so excited to be opening some shinies tonight. Come on. 
Look, it's very easy to be thankful at Christmas, isn't it? It's very easy to be thankful at this time of year, thankful for God's provision. I remember a couple of weeks ago when we had our carol service here on Sunday evening, and uh, I came into church early on a Sunday afternoon to open up, and there's no one else here, um, and I kind of let myself in the back and came into church hall, and I, and I looked up at all of the decorations, and the whole place was set up for the performance, and I was just like, wow, just so thankful to God because I reflected on 2021 and what God's done in this church. How amazing is it what God's done in our church this year? Like, just think back to January for a second and the early part of this year, we were meeting on Zoom, dwindling numbers, dull, just dreading. I mean, let's be honest here, anyone else dread coming to church on Zoom? (laughs) Every Sunday, every Sunday. We start turning our cameras off so we don't have to be involved, didn't we? We've come from that to this amazing season that we've seen with people being saved, people um, becoming Christians in our meetings, new people joining our church, um, different styles of worship, so much creativity, so much diversity. God has done amazing things in this year, and we've got to be thankful, we've got to worship him for that. It's easy to be able to thank God, isn't it, when things are going well. In fact, should we just applaud God for a second for this year, by the way? Come on, what a year. It's good. And 2022 is going to be even better, by the way. God's going to do even more, so I hope you're excited for that. Listen, in this story, we see firsthand lots of examples of God's provision. All right, we see loads of examples of it. First of all, we see God provides Mary and Joseph with a safe place to go. He tells them to go to Egypt, where they'll be safe. And the key thing is, he didn't say, oh, just go away and hide, go and hide. No, he says, go to Egypt and hide. I've prepared a safe place for you. God, he didn't just warn them and tell them to go and find their own safe place. God, God's provision was there. He provided them with a safe place to go. And one thing to say about this, by the way, is that God provided a, an amazing place of safety, but Joseph remained open to hear from God, didn't he? God provided a place of safety, but Joseph remained open to hear from God. He was receptive to what God was doing. He was aware of God in his dream. Did you notice that? This is the second time we see God um, appearing to Joseph through an angel in, in a dream. Joseph was clearly receptive and open to hearing from God. Are you open to hearing from God this morning? Are you open in your life to hearing from God? See, when it comes to God's provision, sometimes we have to have our eyes and hearts open to see what God is doing in our lives. Because if not, we'll miss it. We need to be open to his prompting. We need to see what God is doing. Like a lot of you know this example, I've, I've told it before when I've been speaking, but a few years ago, I remember God provided me kind of miraculously with this, uh, this two-day-a-week job when, when I took the step of faith to um, work for the church part-time, and um, the church could employ me part-time, but I still needed a, a, a job, and God provided this exact job with the same qualifications and experience that I needed, and um, it was for two days a week. It was just the most amazing story. You remember me telling you, right? And I remember at that time just being blown away by what God did, but actually, it was clear that this job came from God. There was no other way around it. But the, dob- the job didn't just appear by magic. I didn't just wake up one morning and was like, hey, I've got a job. I, I still had to pray and ask God and apply for the job and search for jobs and go for the interview. Yeah. God doesn't just miraculously put things in our lap without actually um, us being a, a receptive and looking to see what God is doing. 
that I want to just challenge you with that this morning. I thought it was really important as I was studying this passage. Are you seeking God this morning? Are you seeking him in, uh, in general in your life? Are you asking him to meet your needs? Are you stepping out in faith in order to fully rely on him? Because God provides amazing things, but we've got to do something as well, right? We've got to be receptive. So Jesus is pretty clear when he says to his followers, and um, later on in the book of Matthew, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. As Christians, do we live lives that reflect that passage? Do we pray prayers that reflect that passage? That if we knock, the door will be opened. I'm challenging myself here. It's a challenge, isn't it? We serve a God who provides. The other provision that we see in the, is at the end of the passage. See, not only does God provide them with a place of safety, but he also provides them with the right home when they came back into Israel. Did you notice that? God provides them with a home when they came back to Israel. Originally, they went back to Judea, but then he warned them in another dream. Again, Joseph was receptive, and they ended up in, in, in Galilee. This was God's perfect provision. And this is important because we have a wonderful God who doesn't just provide for some of our needs. He doesn't just meet some of the things we need. God meets our every need. He provides everything that we need. And this is something that's not celebrated or talked about enough. And I think it's something that can affect our faith. Do you have faith that God's going to meet your every need? Or do you just kind of settle for, oh, okay, God, do something. In the same way that he provided this family with the perfect um, provision of a perfect home, the perfect place to, of safety, God wants to provide and meet for the needs in our lives. And he wants to do that in miraculous ways. So I remember years ago when I was part of King's Church in Darlington, um, I was a new Christian at the time. I'd kind of just been saved. But we had this huge building project that we needed to undertake we had to renovate this old carpet warehouse um, and allow it to become a church building which would bless the community and allow our church to reach out. And I was a, like, a young Christian, so I was really full of faith. Because that happens, doesn't it? When you're first saved, you've got loads of faith and then you stop being so faithful. Why is that, by the way? <laughs> I was a new Christian at the time. I was full of faith. So we'd attend these prayer meetings and we'd be like, Lord, we know you're going to provide for everything we need for this building project. It's going to cost, you know, a million pounds, but we know, God, you're going to provide. And that was when the church leaders dropped a bombshell on us because they felt that they'd heard from God and they felt prompted to give away 50% of all of the money that came in for the building project. So my faith kind of rocked a little bit, okay? Because not only did we have to believe God for 100%, now we had to believe God for 200% for this building project. And let me tell you, 15 years later, whatever, you can go into Darlington and you can see this amazing building which is blessing the community. Why? Because God provides in the most amazing ways. God provides in the most amazing ways. He meets our every need, and we can be confident of that confident of that look let's be thankful to God for his provision this year but then as we go into next year let's be open to see what God will do and let's be faith filled for God's perfect 
provision. We've got big conversations next year, haven't we? What do we do with this place? What do we do about a site in Middlesbrough? What do we do about continuing to reach out? We've got big conversations to have. Are we going to have those conversations with faith? Are we going to have those conversations with um, knowledge that God's going to provide? Or are we going to go in half-hearted? What do you think? We want faith, right? We want to be faith-filled as we're going into next year, knowing that God is going to provide. Let's be people of faith, yeah? Look, that's the message for this morning. As a Christmas story kind of ends in the Bible, we fix our eyes on God and we look to him with faith, right? This last story, Matthew's account of the Christmas story, ends by building our faith. And that's how I want to end this morning. Because everything we've talked about this morning, all right, I know this wasn't a very Christmassy message. You can blame Matthew for that when you wrote the gospel. But um, everything we've talked about this morning, Christmas makes all of that true. The fact that God came and dwelt among us, the fact that God came as a baby means that we can have hope. We can trust God in good times and in bad times. Christmas makes all of this true because God came to be with us. It's not like one of those, you know, positive mindset things where it's like, as Christians, we can see a light at the end of a tunnel. I'm sorry, Christianity is not like that. It's not a light at the end of the tunnel sort of thing. God came to be with us. God came to dwell among us. God came to be in our presence. And that means we don't have light at the end of the tunnel, but we've got light in the tunnel right now with us. We've got light now, no matter what situation you're going through, no matter what sort of Christmas you've had, no matter what life's doing to you at the minute, you've got light in that situation at the minute because God came to earth and Christmas is what made that true look God wants you to know that this morning he wants you to know that he is with you for some people he wants to build your faith he wants you to have faith for next year but for others it's not even about building your faith it's about just recognizing and knowing that God is with you Look, if you don't know God this morning, um, I'm sorry I've not been able to give you a lovely fluffy Christmas message if you're not a Christian here this morning, but can I just encourage you that everything we've talked about this morning, everything that we've talked about, about faith and provision, all that sort of stuff, it all comes back to putting your trust in Jesus and walking in a relationship with him. And if you don't know Jesus this morning, if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, can I encourage you to grab one of these books? We've got loads of them in the hall outside. It's called a Why Christmas Book, and it tells you more about how you can be in a relationship with this Jesus. Because... Let me tell you, it's the best Christmas gift you could get this year. It's better than Panini football stickers, right? A relationship with Jesus will transform your life. And if you don't know Jesus this morning, can I encourage you to know him? You won't regret it. If the band could come up, that would be great. I think this morning we could end um, in prayer and worship. Um, I think it's really important that we just worship God and reflect on everything that he does during Christmas and everything else I've talked about this morning. I think I've forgotten about a video, right? Over to you. I'll let you take over. Brilliant, Gavin.